Sean is a fresher breath there. He just loved chain restaurants. Matter of fact, he ate at Applebee's 12 times during the bye week. I love each and most of you guys. That really is still swollen, isn't it? That's a little swollen. It kind of looks like a football, actually. Thank you for that. The stitching, you got it. Thank you. Hey, D, I like donuts, baby. Let's go. Uh, stay focused. Um, work hard in school. You might not like school, but make sure you're working hard at school. It feels a bomb. It feels a bomb. It's your boy DM3, and you're listening to the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Witty Nation, welcome everyone to episode 97 of the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast, the number one self-rated podcast about sports, entertainment, and everything in between. And as always, part of the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. Go follow us at Witty Sports 716 on Twitter, Instagram, and follow everything Built in Buffalo has given you. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, taking over at Built in Buffalo underscore. Go give them a follow. Go give us a follow. Share the love. Spread the love. We are your hosts. I am Matt Greco. He is Tony Ambrose. Tony. What's going on? Man, I'm going to slow it down a little bit. Please come to Buffalo for the summer. Rochester is sitting there just waiting for train camp. Barville's calling my name down on Main Street. Barville on Arondacoy Bay isn't ready yet. Please come to Buffalo. Matt said go. Bills is how we say hello. Go Bills, Matt. Hello to oh. you. Hello to Witty Nation. Jeez. Little, little Kenny Loggins. I don't even know it's Kenny Lock. Kenny Loggins? Kenny Loggins. Oh, uh, yeah. Mr. Danger Zone Boston. I, I, I think that's who it is. Please come to Boston. Good choice. But it's of please song come to Buffalo. I, yes. Well, you changed it to please come to Buffalo. I did. What's the actual song title? It's please the, come to Boston? Well, yeah, but there's three verses. So it's please come to Boston. Please come to Denver. Please come to L.A are the three verses of the song. So this is really the mysterious fourth verse. Right. The long lost fourth verse. Yeah, the long lost fourth verse. It's please come to Buffalo. Yes, of course. Funny you mentioned the song that says please come to Boston because I was in Boston this past weekend. Well, that's part of the reason I chose it. Good good choice. Good choice. Wow. It's like we planned it that way. Uh, Don't just make these up, Matt. (laughs) I have to write them beforehand. Um, Patriots fans, not the most dedicated. I did not see... More than maybe five people in Patriots apparel. My whole weekend in Boston, I was there three days. I did not see. I mean, I know it's the summer, but still, you you walk around in Buffalo, you can't walk five feet without seeing someone in Bill's gear. I mean, all the talk was on the local channels, like Mac Jones is taking the next step, all this Mac Jones hype, and not one fan in the streets or very minimal amount of fans in the street. I was very disappointed in the uh, representation for the Patriots. A bunch of bandwagoners, if you ask me. And especially this weekend when many are called to be Patriots. Oh, yeah. Even better, right? Right. Even I mean, more if there was dropping a time the to ball. break it out in the offseason. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I exactly. can understand that. I don't think anyone's feeling too patriotic this weekend, but dropping the yeah. deflated ball. No, yeah. No, yeah, that's yeah, dro- oh, there's a it sports is. podcast. The deflated ball. <laughs> dropping yeah, we'll the deflated the de- ball. We'll let deflate gate get litigated itself. I'm sure Supreme Court will take that one up next. <laughs> it's about damn time. How oh, damn time. Long overdue. Long um, overdue. Tony, we are in feel that shit. <laughs> the crux of summer here as we enter July 
Independence Day right around the corner. The NBA and NHL playoffs are done. And that means we are in a dark period of time if you're a sports fan, because really all there is is baseball. (laughs) And if you're not a baseball fan, which I am not, I don't think you are either. From what I know of you, I could be wrong. Maybe you are. Who knows? Maybe you are. But I, well, are you asking me if I'm a baseball fan? I'm making a presumption and I might be right or wrong. And I'm asking you if I'm right or wrong. <laughs> Last summer was the height of my baseball fandom with the Blue Jays in town. Just being in Buffalo. Yeah. Um, yep. I enjoyed that a lot. I like knew the lineup. I knew players. That was about the, that was kind of about the high point of it. But this year, there is a new addition to, or a new, a new wrinkle to my baseball fandom or lack thereof. And Ooh. it is called DraftKings. Oh. So in the sense that now I can gamble on baseball, I do find myself having a little bit of interest in the games that I'm guessing on and gambling on. And my gambles are basically guesses. I am betting on players I've never heard of. I don't know what's going on with these shots in the dark that I am taking, but I'm kind of hot right now. So I'm going to let it ride. Tony's hot. Tail Tony. Don't fade him. Tony's hot. Tony's hot. That's the great thing about sports gambling is you you get invested in things you could care less about or know anything about. You just throw a dollar or two at it and hey, I'm I'm watching a, a Cincinnati Reds versus Chicago White Sox game all of a sudden. Who knows? Right. But, but Matt, I will say there is yeah. the Buffalo sports fan does have a little bit of solace, I think, in this dead zone of sports. And it's right now, I mean, there is one team or at least athlete that's competing right now. She's competing at Wimbledon. So that's something. Oh, yeah. I'm mildly following Jesse Pagula at Wimbledon. So that's something to root for, something to watch on occasion. She's very good. <laughs> she's way she's be- very good. Yes. Way, way better than I ever expected her her to be. I mean, I thought it was just like she was kind of like teetering on pro- like when when Terry first took ownership of the team and yes. we learned about his family and the fact that his daughter was a tennis player. It, was, it almost seemed like she was like on the precipice of becoming pro or trying to become pro, but she's like a top player in the world, like top Yeah, she's not- like top 10 in the world. Yeah. Like, I think I thought today I did not expect eight. that. Yeah. So I had her. the same ex- I had the same experience you did Matt in the initial press conference where we all met the Bagulas where I remember him saying we're a tennis family my daughter plays tennis and like a little bit on that in my mind to me went to oh well here's clearly just an overprivileged delusional father who you know at a young age his daughter said I like right I like tennis and therefore it became I will throw all my resources into getting you the greatest tennis coaches in the world and trying to develop you in tennis even though she's probably no better than than the average varsity tennis player at a third ring suburb in high school. I thought that's all it was. Boy, was I wrong. Yeah, we were all wrong. We Much were like wrong we were on about that one. Josh Yeah, eating crow on that one. No, she's, yeah. she's she's very good. She's good. And, fun, and fun to watch. Yeah, definitely a, a good Buffalo tie during this these summer months. We have about what Tony twenty. 6 25 days till training camp begins um, oh, less than that. somewhere around there less than that really oh boy right around uh, the uh, i believe i believe camp opens on the 23rd and today we are recording on the 30th of june so yes. 24 days yeah 24 days there you go old, old wow. taron johnson action tony tennis obviously is on your mind is there any other sports you're watching as we wait these 24 days till training camp when i was in boston 
ESPN had the world chase tag, which was my first time viewing such an electric event. Professional tag. I didn't know it was a thing other than when we randomly see it on those one or two days or weekend that ESPN became ESPN 8 the Ocho. Shout out Dodgeball. But I was all about world chase tag. It is a very fun sport. I don't understand the scoring. It just seems like two very fast people trying to tag each other, one trying to tag the other one and one trying to avoid the other one. But it was fun. Like I enjoyed watching that. Well, I watch it every night. No, but if it's on, I'll, I'll tune in. It's one of those kind of niche things that catch your interest. Tony, anything catching your interest in the next 24 days as you wait for training camp? Ooh, I would say that I am looking at the top of my list here. Like what's going to, what sport is going to trump the other sports? I enjoy a CFL game. during these dog days and a lot of it yeah and a a lot of it has to do with i do uh as our listeners know i am i am an educator Uh, i do have a handful of former students in the cfl so i like following their teams and their careers (laughs) you know i mean did they make it to that level of professionalism because of my tutelage i would argue yes so uh you're like 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 the blind side tony I think that's fair. And I think that fair comparison. Hollywood is overdue in calling for the rights to my story. Yes. Hollywood, if you're listening, Tony's rights are available to be bought. Yes. And this year, this year, I'm all in on the uh, Argos, which I kind of hate to say because the Argos seems like for a Buffalonian to be following the Argos. Argonauts, it's like mm, a little basic, you know, like pick, would you yeah. just choose like the geography. Yeah, I mean, come on, kind of a homer pick. Yeah, in spite of the fact that Hamilton has a team, but so it wouldn't really be a homer pick. But I don't know, it just feels like I don't know, I'm not supposed to like the Argos, but that's where uh, that's where I know people. So well, I'm happy go. to say that I'm uh, I'm enjoying some CFL games here and there. We had the BC Lions take a big win today over the Ottawa Red Blacks. Did you bet on them? Nope. Oh, it's still going. It's happening right now. It's oh, in the fourth quarter. I'm going to bet right Tony, now. All right, let's see. Tony gets distracted. Yeah, let's, let's hitch our wagons to the Argos because our USFL team that we hitched our wagon to, the Michigan Panthers and Jeff Fisher, two and eight this year. Not a good track record on this podcast for <laughs> not good support, supporting secondary football league teams. All right. Uh, they, I got they, $5. Cut their, they cut their number one pick, Shea Patterson. Finished two and eight, which is uh, much worse than Jeff Fisher usually does, which is five and five in this case with 10 games. Right. So Toronto Argos, best of luck to you. We are officially a Toronto Argos podcast. Yes, finally. Curse is on. I mean, yeah, the long-term plan is finally complete. That <laughs> I would convert I this podcast to an Argos podcast. <laughs> officially the number one Argos podcast in, in the Buffalo, New York area. I can't go without mentioning also my favorite 4th of July tradition, a must-watch every year for me, the 4th of July Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. Oh, yes. Good, good call. Good one. Love the hot dog eating contest, even though the contest itself has become kind of ho-hum with Joey Chestnut just having a, a Michael Jordan dominant performance every single year. Nobody's touching him. In, in this world, we can't find one person to compete with Joey Chestnut. It, it's like how the U.S. soccer team, men's national soccer team, can't find a striker. How many millions of people in this country, you can't find one person to compete with Joey Chestnut. You can't find one person to put the ball in the back of the net at the World Cup, USA. Boggles my mind every year. But the reason I watch it is because of one of my heroes, I'd say, at this rate, the MC of the event, the founder of Major League Eating, and the founder of Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest, George Shea, his introduction 
reactions are probably the most entertaining 15 minutes of television throughout the year. He's a modern day Billy Shakespeare, a, a modern wordsmith, dropping such greats during these contestant introductions as, quote, the difficulty in his marriage started when he named his kids mild, medium, and hot. I mean, you don't get lines like that anywhere else. He is amazing. I got to see him live last year for the chicken wing eating contest. He is energy personified. George Shea, the MC, is, is the reason I tune in. And also just grown men and women stuffing their faces with hot dogs for, for 10 minutes straight is both disgusting and captivating at the same time. I can't I can't really define it. So uh, Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest is, is my pick to watch during this lull before training camp. A great competition, a great American tradition. Certainly not something that someone from another country would look at and say, what the fuck is this? No, not at all. No. So you, hot dog eating American is the universal tradition. language. That's a good point. Everybody loves a good hot dog. Tony, of course, we have 4th of July. Something shockingly that only happens in the summer. Who would have thought other than everyone? Not in the Southern Hemisphere. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. For our draft season, hashtag draft SZN this week, let's talk about our top three things we love about summer that only happen in the summer. Tony, since you did the honors last week with our TV dads draft, I will kick it off this week if you don't mind. In my number one pick, I'm going right for the stomach, just like the hot dogs. I'm going ice cream trucks as my number one pick. When you are out playing with your friends back in the day, or maybe today, who knows, minding your own business, then in the distance you hear that faint ice cream truck music that we all know and love that is so nostalgic and a sense of wonder just sweeps over you and you're kind of wondering whether it's going to get louder and move towards you or farther away and you'll have to suffer the ultimate disappointment of that ice cream truck's never coming around. But when it does get closer and that music gets louder, that adrenaline rush you felt, I got to say it's unlike anything else. It just hits you a different way. It's complete vibes. And then when it finally gets to your house, you see all the options at your disposal. Do I go with the Chaco Taco? Do I go with the Ninja Turtle with the gumball eyes? Do I go with the classic bomb pop? Forget the skeevy dude who's probably selling you these, who's driving the truck around, who probably has to make a legal statement before interacting with any kind of children. You do whatever it takes to get that ice cream and it hits. When you get that ice cream, it hits like no other. Ice cream truck, my number one pick. You certainly painted a picture for us. You certainly painted a picture for me. I can picture the the ice cream truck experience just as you picked it and seeing, I remember the first time I was introduced to like the Ninja Turtle with the gumball eyes, as you say, in my mind, the stereotypical version of that is a Sonic for some reason. Oh yes. A Sonic, a Sonic possible with, uh, with eyes. He's a hedgehog, man. And, but yes. I, I don't know, like that's well, there, Sonic. can I, can I tell you something, man? I have sure. in my life, I have tell patronized me an, an ice cream truck. I have patronized an ice cream truck. Exactly one time i don't even know you anymore <laughs> one time matt and did you I get the sonic up. no i don't even remember what i got probably <laughs> probably not i think i i think i would have gotten what's what's the what would you call the the title for the stereotypical freezer bot it's like an ice cream in a waffle cone and like the chocolate is at the bottom where the cone meets and oh, uh like, well, peanuts on top yeah kind of yeah yeah what is that called I know what you're, nutty I know buddy? exactly what you're Is that a nutty about. buddy? Okay. A buster bar? Well, I know. <laughs> no, that's Dairy Queen. Come on, man. Get oh, your yeah, head out of your Queen. ass. Jeez, <laughs> <come on>. <laughs> Dumb. <laughs> 
I think I, I think I would have. I think it's a that. nutty bar. But no, right? I think it's, I think it's a nut, maybe nutty bar, maybe nutty buddy. I'm not sure. It, we could be way off in all of this. I don't, I don't know. I don't know my ice we cream now. He's enough. But You're no, man, I grew up, I grew up with an ice cream shop at the end of the street. So okay. my ice cream access was, yeah, my ice cream access was ubiquitous. And I think that the ice cream truckers knew that they knew like, well, there's, there's no market to be had on, on this street because ice cream, their, the ice cream is always right there. They don't, they don't need me to come to them. They can just walk a few houses down. Makes sense. Yeah. So that was kind Makes of, sense. that was kind of the kid culture surrounding ice cream trucks for, for us when I was growing up. And, and even now, though I live 85 miles away, I still have an ice cream shop at the end of my street. <laughs> It's you full circle. Get away. So I never. It's full circle. Yeah. So I never. I never see an ice cream truck. Unbelievable. You're missing out, Tony. No. When, when the ice cream truck rolled around my neighborhood, I would always go. You mentioned the Ninja Turtle with the gumball eyes. I don't know how you couldn't pick one with <laughs> a gumball component to it because you're getting double treats at that point, right? I mean. Yeah. You're not only getting the ice cream, but you're getting the gum afterwards. The typical traditional one, I think, was the baseball glove with the baseball gum. Oh. But there was Ninja Turtles, there was SpongeBob, there was everything under the sun. But I think that's like, that had to be the go had had to be the go-to is is whatever you get the double combo of ice cream gum. And I, I don't know why you'd pick anything else, but the mm. options were endless. Ice cream truck, summer staple. So that is uh my number one pick. Tony, who are you gonna choose or what are you gonna choose with your number one pick in our summer things draft well my number one pick is representative of a feeling that i get soon as the weather breaks an unstoppable force that just completely turns my mind and my heart upside down when it you get that first taste of summer because when i get that first taste of summer something else has to hit my lips in a very particular situation now i'm drafting patio drinks Ooh, ooh. Summertime's here. I need some bar, maybe a craft cocktail bar. Maybe it's a brewery. Maybe it's just beers that has a patio. Maybe they got a few tables out on the sidewalk. I need to be drinking this outside, poured by a professional. That's what I need. Like, soon as the weather breaks, I'm like, I just want to drink. I could like take or leave casual drinks in the winter in a lot of situations. But I'm just like, man, as soon as that weather hits, I'm like, yeah, I just need to be like in the driveway with a drink or in a back patio with a drink. I need a patio cocktail. I need a patio beer. Patio That's what I need. Is, it's it's a solid one. It's very summer. You can't it's you can't be sitting summer. in the middle of winter in the middle of snow and <laughs> sipping sipping on patio drinks. There's nothing Not better unless than you're a Bills fan. And yeah, true. <laughs> There's nothing better than uh calling your friend who uh who's by the cooler and you're too lazy to get up. <laughs> hey, toss toss me one. Oh yeah. There's no better feeling than that. The ultimate the ultimate no. sign of a chill chill summer. Getting the cooler out. Yeah, not, chill not getting up, Having mm-hmm. your friend who did get up just toss toss you a nice cold, refreshing drink. Mm-hmm. You're kind of making a statement to summer, I think, that it's just like you know what drinks. It's not just for nights anymore. The sun is giving me permission. Right. The We're drinking in the coming. sunshine. The days are longer. Sun's out. Time to hit up the patio drinks. They put on a nice bonfire. Wow. When the, when the sun goes down. That was going to be one of my picks. Late night, late night bonfires. Whoa. Oh, whoa, whoa. Now you're, now you're saying picks. Scary moments here. <laughs> good pick. Patio drinks always good. I feel like there's certain summer drinks too that you have to have during the summer. Like a winter seltzer does doesn't hit the same way. 
Oh, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, there's a nice, summer, nice, nice refreshing there, summer seltzer. Yeah, like a fizz. Yeah, like a like a fizzy, yeah. clear liquor. Yes, yeah. lights, not heavy. Only in the summer. Yes. Good, good number one pick, Tony. My number two pick. It's gonna be a tough one. I'm gonna go with a groove, slightly transformed, just a bit of a break from the norm. I'm gonna go with the ability to play "Summertime" by Will Smith. Oh, okay. <laughs> I only. I am glad a song. A song you, you can only play in the summer. Yes. I'm glad that you feel that that rule exists. We've never spoken about this, but I think that we both understand that this rule exists. That what? You can only play Summertime by Will Smith in the summer? Yeah. Yeah. No, that that's. I think that's written in stone. I think that's a, I mean, a yeah. given rule. That's, that, that's a rule we all understand in American culture, I think. Yes. Do you feel that that is the first anthem of summer in the sense that like summertime is official? I got to play Will Smith summertime. When I was walking out of school on the last day and it was summer break and I'm walking down the stairs for, you know, the last time in a couple months, Will Smith is in my head. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like wanting you're... to go up to people just going like, ah, ah, <laughs> as you're reading your yearbook and everyone's hags and glowing you. Right. Exactly. You, you know, hags and glow is, in your head? is it? Yes. I'm, I'm telling wow. you this for real. Breaking hags news. and glow is back. <laughs> Big breaking news. <laughs> Hags and glow is back, people. Yeah. The toughest part Have was a great like, summer. I couldn't say Good luck on exams. I was so, of course, I was so pleased about it when I heard like the, the conversation among our youths saying things like hags and glow and seeing it on paper. And I was, I didn't want to say how proud I was in that moment or happy I was in that moment because I'm like, oh, I can't validate that. Then they won't want to do it anymore. So <laughs> I have to just, yeah, like I'm like, I can't, I can't say anything. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'm just don't I'm just like silently smiling and nodding. Yes. <laughs> don't we kill the moment, baby. We are, we are back. back. <laughs> just like the the song Summertime is back every summer. Will Smith That's right. uh, back in the day, wildly underrated. Very good rapper, very good musician, and didn't swear on top of it, which is which is all the better. Mm -hmm. It's fun for the kids too. And he was on a family sitcom, so it was fun for the kids because everyone knew Will Smith, young and old. Yeah. Superstar, yeah, just, really, was a, just really good rapper. Shockingly good. You would you would think he was would not be as as good as he is, good as a lyricist as he is. But Will Smith, summertime. That is my number two pick. Tony, who are you going with with your Solid. number two? Uh, I am going with what actually could have been number one. I'm. I feel like I'm getting a steal here in value. I'm oh. saying I'm picking that it is festival season, aka a beer uh -huh. tent season. Yes, every weekend <laughs> is. Locked and loaded. We got a festival and or a beer tent just waiting for you. And of course, you know, every town has one in Erie County. It is where of course. the great it is where everyone is equalized and the year is reset of the people you saw yesterday to the people you saw in that same tent last year and nowhere in between. But summertime in Western New York, in any Western or Central New York City is just fraught with with festivals and traditions and every community, whether it be small neighborhood or a large scale community is just riddled with festivals that each have their own subculture, that each have their own traditions. Uh, and I'm here yes. for all of it. Yeah, I, I, I can't wait to it, enjoy it, everything from the Lancaster beer tent, perhaps with you, to uh, to various food festivals around town, to uh, old home the, days, you know, the festivals of yeah, oh, home, why not? Oh, home, too. Why not? Sure. You know, the various neighborhood festivals in Rochester. Maybe I'll go to Cornhill Hill Festival. Maybe I'll go to Clothesline Festival. I don't even know. Various uh, but, uh, church, lawn, church lawn fates. Hit me up with a lawn fate. They're in the mix. 
Yeah, definitely in the mix. I feel like beer tents do not get the respect in terms of like Buffalo staples that they should. There's chicken wings. There's the city smells like Cheerios. And I feel like beer tents should be on that list as well, just for how frequently they happen and how popular they are in the summer. Mm. Do they not get the respect they deserve? I I think that beer tents and lawn fates in general, like lawn fate is is a word. That is only in the Buffalo Dictionary. I think, like, it, it, lawn fates are are not something everyone knows. Else, and yeah. It's yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of wild. Of course, it's wild to me. Of course, it's wild to all of us who grew up in this particular culture. How uh, lawn fates and beer tents? You know, it's just not. I don't know what these people are doing, but they're not. <laughs> they're not standing not in the utilizing tall grass, their lawns correctly. Three dollar cans. Yeah, not living. That's for sure. Live, Certainly damn it. Not. Beer tents. Festival Salon Fate, strong number two pick. Tony with my third and final pick. I'm going back to the chill zone. I got to go with hammocks. You're not finding Ooh, any good hammocks, like hammocks in the winter. Who doesn't love a good hammock? The ultimate I, relaxation mechanism. If you just want to hang out, grab a nice patio drink, just relax and sway, feel the breeze, maybe put on a nice tune and just lose yourself in a sea of weightlessness in a hammock there's no better feeling tony hammocks are my third choice plus you get the added factor of the comedic value of someone falling out of the hammock nothing's funnier than somebody trying to get in a hammock that can't and then subsequently falling out of it that's a very funny moment every single time so hammocks have a lot of value (laughs) number three pick for me hammocks Great pick. I love a good hammock lay. Love a good hammock nap. Mm. Oh, hammock naps. Hammock naps. One, one, of, the top, one mm-hmm. of the top types of naps there is, there is out there. A hammock nap. I think so too, especially as far as outdoor naps go. You put your you put your hat like over your eyes. Oh yeah. You go you go mummy with it, cross your arms like, over your chest. Like, yes. Yes, oh, you do. Yes. Good, good hammock nap. Nothing better. Hammock naps. Mm. Your third and final pick. Who are you going with? All right. My final pick is what I'm calling neighborhood action. In winter, the neighborhood is seemingly peaceful, but dead. Nothing's really going on. Summertime, the neighborhood becomes alive. Summertime action could include and does include, oh, maybe you got some public construction vehicles on your street. You can hang out in the driveway, watch, watch them dig, watch them pave. I know that was always makes the neighborhood come alive. Neighborhood action, maybe you got a a street hockey game happening in front of your house. I, I don't mind. In fact, I rather enjoy the fulfillment of, you know, I got to navigate my way around kids playing in the street or playing hide and seek or something. And that awareness. You do you, kid. Maybe the kid. That's exactly what's up. I'm like, I'm glad you're doing it. You get just like some extreme power tools happening in the distance. You get that soundtrack of summer of a kid learning how to play the clarinet and it's not going well, but the whole neighborhood <laughs> is hearing out those open windows. I love it all. It's the neighborhood. Maybe action. some kids, you being a teacher, maybe some kids uh, complaining about their summer reading lists. You overhear oh, of a, course. an argument. Yep. You overhear an Yeah. Mom and child are fighting over how responsible someone's being or not being regarding summer work, of course. The sounds of summer. It is. It's the sounds of the rev, action of summer. Up their the lawnmower. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You get it. The soundtrack of summer is kids laughing, power tools going, and, and ice cream trucks. Yeah, and ice cream trucks. Exactly. A lot of action in the summer, block parties, neighbors out and about, Ooh. community swimming pools. Summer is great people watching. It's a time to get out. Strong pick. The action 
of summer. I like it. I remember like being a kid, we wheeling our, our basketball net out in the street. Mm-hmm. Screw this. Screw this nicely paved driveway. I want a street where I could possibly twist my ankle. Potholes galore. That's what I need. That's the true summer right there. That's summertime, baby. And that's the summertime draft. I had one honorable mention, as I mentioned before, late night bonfires. Think nothing better. You get the music playing. You get the citronella candles going to get the mosquitoes out of there. It's hot, but you're wearing a, a nice comfy hoodie just around a bonfire, just relaxing, enjoying the time. That was my honorable mention. Uh, did you have any honorable mentions? Uh, I had honorable mentions. Of course, we the aforementioned 4th of July. I had training camp, of course, as that was as would be on brand. There's no work or that I don't work over summer. So that's you have no nice. work. <laughs> uh, right. Um, and I have kayaking. Ooh, on here as a, a nice one. as a summer yeah. fave. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. I like I like kayaking. That's a good pick. Like uh, yeah, someone else has to work. Tony, <laughs> are you a fireworks guy? You like fireworks? I like them. I don't love. I'm not an enthusiastic about them. But if there's a fireworks display, I'll I will choose to appreciate it. I won't be a naysayer about it. That's fair. I I like fireworks in in the right circumstances. Whether it's a, a Friday night bash at a Bison's game, the Fourth of July. I don't like fireworks when some random Joe Schmo is shooting them off on like a random Tuesday night for no reason. <laughs> like june i will agree with that really come on do we need fireworks there get my dog all all crazy and waking my kids up like i don't i don't need that fireworks guy you're not you're impressing anyone just because you went to erie pa and phantom fireworks and and got a got some fireworks you're, you're not cool so that is our summer time draft. We'll put the list online. Listeners, let us know some of your favorite things about summer. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Tony, as you mentioned, training camp right around the corner. Another summer staple here in Western New York. Are you ready to talk some bills? Always. We are going to be back after the break. Take it away, Marv. Go, go. Bills fight, bills go. Come on, let's win for Buffalo. And we are back. Tony. 24, I think we determined days from now until the start of training camp, right on the horizon. I can taste it. I can taste the air at St. John Fisher right on my lips. Feels good to have Bills back at St. John Fisher training camp, back with fans in attendance. And Tony, for this episode, because it's kind of a downtime, not much going on. The guys are on break, fishing and doing whatever they do. Josh playing Big Buck Hunter at his local Wyoming bar. Not much to talk about going on right now, but I think going into training camp just weeks away, I want to start off with getting some of your players or our players who we think should be feeling the most pressure going into this season. Let's just do a couple each. We'll we'll just do it for the next, let's say, 25 to 30 minutes, and we'll just rattle off, guys. I I have four listed here. We'll see if we get to all four. But Tony, who is the first player you feel? And it could be Josh. Josh is an option. When we do lists like this or our our BuzzFeed-esque lists like this, we usually don't make Josh an option because it's an obvious choice. But Josh could be an option here in this one. So uh, Tony, who is a player you think should be feeling the most pressure to perform, to live up to expectations, to reach certain goals. Who do you think is under the gun this season or going into this season? So it's interesting that you, the way that you put it about feeling the pressure, because the player that I think could be feeling the pressure, but probably isn't because of his character and his 
resume and his background. But to me, like the person, the player who we're kind of putting a lot on the shoulders of, even though their shoulders mm-hmm. can bear it, like they're Alice, is Von Miller. Okay. Because in, in this, yeah, like in the sense that I would say, you know, here's $120 million that sure. maybe we don't even have because no one knows how the cap works. So here's $120 million and your job is to ensure that we win the Super Bowl because we have literally everything else in place except for the moment when someone had to step up and no one stepped up. So we're giving you $120 million to be that person that steps up. It's kind of interesting that we're saying like who this season has that pressure on. He doesn't necessarily have that pressure on him at all during the regular season. He could just skip the regular season as far as as far as I'm concerned, because we would win the games with him or without him. But right. Like to make a move, bringing in a guy like Von Miller to paraphrase the way he put it to overflow the cup, to put it over the over the edge. That's Mm -hmm. a lot to put on a human. That's a lot to put on a human. So for that reason, I have to go Von Miller. Good word usage. The edge putting us over the edge. I like it. Yes. Yeah. Von, Von Miller is is a great pick. That's a lot of money to spend on a 33-year-old player who has a lot of tread on tires. Not, not going to lie. He's barely missed any games in his career. He's always played at least 15 games except in... 2013. Yes, knock. On, this is all knock on wood because we're, we're yeah. talking about guys performing. <laughs> we're just giving a blanketed knock on wood here for anybody we talk about here. Other than 2013, when he, he played nine games, he's always played at least 15 games. So you're you're right. It, it's his success is going to be when the moment is biggest. Is he going to be the guy to make the play? Is he going to be the guy to step up? Is he going to be the difference maker, the clincher? However you want to title him. That is his role. He's not a spring chicken by any means. He has the resume and the pedigree that kind of warrants a high bar of high expectations. So there's a ton of pressure going into Von Miller. His sole reason for coming to Buffalo is to get this team to a championship and a Super Bowl, to win a Super Bowl. If he falls short of that and he doesn't perform along the way, that's going to be a huge disappointment. So I'm not worried about it. I think he fits in from a culture standpoint. I think he fits in from a performance on the field standpoint, obviously. It's always a matter of with these players that are on the wrong side of 30, when is it going to be the year when it kind of starts to fall apart for them? Like, that's what I always worry about. Like, there's always mm-hmm. like a year where you can see the shift from dominant to career starting to end. Whether it's production on the field, whether it's injuries start to pile up, there's just always this seems like definitive shift. You're hoping with Von Miller, with his resume, with his history, with with his success and achievements that you can get, what, three good years out of him? Three years at high production, double-digit sacks, a guy that uh, opposition still has to game plan around, that is a constant disruptor. I think that would be the dream, to get three of, of those kind of years out of him. But like I said, whenever you're on the wrong side of 30, there's always a question. There's there's always in the back of my mind, when is that shift going to hit? And if it hits like in October of this year, then that's, that's not going to be good for anyone. So I think it's warranted with his age and his wear and tear throughout his career here. But the guy's performed every year. So until I see it to believe it, then I have to believe that that money was worth it and the signing was worth it. And He's gonna. He's, he's been brought here, and he's gonna get the job done. So I like that pick. Who's on your mind, Matt? Everything. <laughs> oh, what's on my mind, or who's on my mind? Who? Who? Who is on your mind? Who? Who is on my mind? Maybe not 
the sexiest pick, but I think his role is incredibly important to the defense's success. I'm going with someone else on the defensive line. I'm going with Daquan Jones. Yeah, I I think mm -hmm. okay. I think he is a he is a underrated signing. I think he was brought in to be a extremely key piece to the success, as I mentioned. Uh, he was brought in to be the one technique we always wish Starla Tuile would be. And I think that the team always wishes they had a guy who can take up double teams and have Ed Oliver not have to deal with those double teams. A guy who can take on two multiple players at once, who can free up edge rushers like Von Miller and Greg Russo to win their matchups. A guy who makes different defensive packages easier, stunts easier. I think Daquan Jones is going to have to be that guy. And if he's not, I think there's going to be a domino effect in terms of the success along the defensive line. I think his role is of the utmost importance because of his performance. And I think it's his performance that's supposed to open up the rest of the defensive line to succeed. So it might not be a sexy pick. It might not be the household name pick, but I think Daquan Jones is uber important to the success of this defense. I wholeheartedly agree with you. I was just thinking about Daquan Jones earlier today and how I don't know enough about his his game to think about how much confidence can I have in him taking on double teams and being in the line what, you know, what he's supposed to be. And then I was thinking about that relationship with Tim Settle. I think Tim Settle is kind of overhyped in this. A lot of people are excited about Tim Settle, yeah. but I think it's kind of like, I'm like, this is Daquan's show. Tim Settle is just around, but this is really Daquan's show to, to figure out. And I'm going to do a lot of eyes on him in camp because that's someone I want to get to know. And really, it's like everyone along the defensive line in their relationship to each other, in their situation, has an amount of pressure on them. Vaughn, for everything that I said, Daquan Jones, for everything that you said, um, Gregory Rousseau is under pressure because he's not in Jerry Hughes' shadow anymore. Like, it's his time. And really, like, all the edge rushers, I guess, except for Shaq Lawson, sort of. They're not just the young guns anymore. Like, this is really their time to rise up. Ed Oliver is, is under a huge amount of pressure because he has to step up and be the closest thing to Aaron Donald that we can get him as he was hyped up to be. Right. The defensive line, all those individuals are all under pressure of in themselves. And you just hope that together they all make up for any insufficiencies that they might have under those pressures. And it just becomes the most dominant, incredible defensive line that the league has ever seen. Are those expectations too high? I don't think so. Are you comparing it to the rest of the league or are you comparing it to past iterations of this defensive line? In terms I'm comparing of it to I'm comparing it to the entire history of the National Football League. The <laughs> okay. steel curtain <laughs> ain't got nothing on this year's Bills defensive line. Again, just like the offensive line, this is the probably the best defensive line we put on paper that we, we've had going into a season. So uh, the expectations are high. Daquan Jones played a 641 snaps Carolina last season. That would have been the highest among Bills defensive linemen. So his job is to come in here and make others better. He's not going to have the, the sexy stats but he's going to have to come in and make other players better. And if other players don't get better because Daquan Jones is not doing his job, then it's going to be a lot of crow for Brandon B. Need. Maybe it'll be the final nail in the coffin of dipping into the former Carolina Panther defensive tackle pool. <laughs> if Daquan Jones you know, is good. You know that's not happening. You know next no, season know. we're going to sign at least two Panthers. <laughs> Everyone knows that. Right. Tony, another uh, pick for guys who are are feeling a little under pressure. Well, I was going to say Gregory Rousseau, but I kind of blew it when I just ran down everybody on the defensive line. I was we saying that they're under all pressure. defensive linemen. I know. 
I can't. I think we subliminally so, go to defensive line because the run D was so bad. It's like, yeah, these guys have a lot of pressure to perform because they were yeah. so bad at run defense. I think subliminally well, we just go. I'll throw it on them. Yeah, I could I could definitely see that. I can I can see that within myself. Well, I am gonna say another form of pressure crossed my mind, and that is on Trey White. Oh, like I mean, that. as someone who if I'm thinking about Trey White's experience in the last eight, eight or nine months, I'm thinking about a guy who obviously uber competitive, high character guy taking off the field of this super long-term injury that does a number on every athlete that experiences this. And then to see the way that the season ended and to obviously, you know, he's thinking, man, if I was out there, you know, what could I have done Mm -hmm. to, to put that pressure on him? Now to put the pressure on him of the secondary is largely returning, save Levi Wallace, now Kyrie Elam, he's just going to be chomping at the bit to get out there. And so he's under, I think, probably self-inflicted pressure. He's under probably team-inflicted pressure to get himself as prepared as he can be and to make sure that he still has it. Like he's under the pressure to ensure that he can still be the Trey White we need him to be from day one of being back from this thing. And he's still going to be playing hurt, obviously, like as part of his recovery. But I think there's a lot on his shoulders of saying, you're the shutdown corner. You're still the shutdown corner. We have faith that you're going to be back to contribute largely to this team in a season that has a ton of pressure on it. So you better come back soon and you better come back right. And that's a lot of pressure to be on someone if we're talking pressure, Billy Joel. You know, queen under pressure. Nice. Good building. Yeah, I think Trey, not only coming off the injury, has a bunch of pressure on him to get back to the performance level he was at pre-injury. Now that we have, I don't even know I call it insurance policy. I, I think I called Dane Jackson the insurance policy because I think he performed pretty well, not Trey White level well, but very admirably in replacement of Trey White last year. You expect Kyrie Elam as a first round pick to jump right in and be everything they've hyped him up to be in terms of a solid starter, a a second lockdown corner if Trey White's your first. But yeah, if Trey White comes back and isn't the same, isn't right, I think that's going to be going to be tough on the fan base. I think it's going to be tough on Trey. I think there's a ton of pressure on Trey White to perform this year. So I I like that a lot. Plus plus the Sabres Mm -hmm. need a goalie. So he's pulling double duty. Right. And think about all those (laughs) X factors that you said in there. Like we're talking about a rookie that we're expecting and has to be solid. We're talking about Dane Jackson who you know yeah like we've i mean we've seen good things out of dane jackson but is dane jackson the guy that's gonna shut down mike evans is dane jackson the guy that's gonna shut down Tariq hill i don't know we got to get this thing to playoff caliber to championship caliber and it's not championship caliber until trey white's back so that's a lot of pressure i like it good pick tony my next pick i am going to go dawson knox he's on my list Mm-hmm. Good, good. I'm glad we agree. Uh, quick trivia for you. Dawson Knox over or under 50 catches last year. I'll say under. Yes, correct. 49 over or Ooh, under okay. 600 yards receiving last year. I will say under. That's correct as well. 587. So in his third year, he had 49 catches, 587 yards, nine touchdowns, which was fantastic. Just by comparison, I'm going to give you Travis Kelsey's third year, 85 catches, 1,125 yards. George Kittle's third year, 85 catches, 1,053 yards, five touchdowns. Darren Waller's third year, 
55 catches, 665 yards, two touchdowns, but that was in 11 games. I need Dawson Knox, who is looking for a new contract, who is talked about as a future core member of this juggernaut of an offense under Josh Allen, which hopefully will be a juggernaut for the rest of Allen's career. I need Dawson Knox to, in his fourth year, make a Kelsey Kittle-like leap. I need and, and yes, it's a matter of the offense and there's not enough balls to go around. But I don't want to hear that. Like You're taking the words out of my mouth. Uh-huh. I, I know I know that's an argument, but Travis Kelsey had Terry Kill. He had, you know, McCole Hardman, whoever else, you know, George Kittle. And who, Alex Smith? Plays on, in, that, in that Kyle Shanahan run game where they don't trust Jimmy Garoppolo to do much. Still still racks up 85 catches. <laughs> I think the, ex- the excuses are done. If, if you're looking at Dawson Knox to take a leap and get into let's just say a, a second tier of tight ends in this league uh, i need him to to up those numbers touchdowns are great of course if he if he even has seven touchdowns it, it goes down but he he ups his catches to 70 catches and ups his yards to 800 to 900 yards those are the numbers i need to start seeing from dawson knox and i, I need to start seeing him this year so that's why i'm putting him in my under pressure list here well as you can anticipate Hard disagree on everything you just said. <laughs> Matt, what's the only stat that counts? Wins. Wins and rings. You, you want to compare him to Kelsey in his third year, to Waller in his third year, to Kittle in his third year. That's what I need to know. Were any of them the tight end on the number one offense in the league? No, maybe. Oh, ho, ho, ho. I don't know. <laughs> I think, I, know, maybe I, I think they were actually. I'm, to... <laughs> I'm pretty sure the Chiefs oh, and the Niners are consistently I was up say, on the maybe top. The the... Ch- maybe the Chiefs were, but I don't know. Number one without Mahomes, you think they were number one pre-Mahomes? I kind of don't think that's what was happening. We're talking about Kelsey. You said Kelsey's third year or fourth year, or whatever that, you took. Was that whatever, pre-Mahomes? You took. We're I not, believe we're not a Chiefs podcast, Tony. We're not. We're not pulling these kind of advanced analytics. This is the stats that are important. I, for one, do not need to see these kinds of crazy numbers. I don't need to see an offense where the tight end is the safety valve and the quarterback is checking down to them all the time. I don't need to see an offense where any player is getting kind of production unless I suppose Stefan Diggs is going to get a lot of catches because he always does. And that's fine by me. But I want Stefan Diggs to keep getting a lot of catches. And I want Dawson Knox to keep getting a fair amount of catches, I, I guess. But it doesn't have to be. It, it, I don't I don't need him to take these catches uh, and receptions away from everybody else. As you said, the ball's got to go around. I think that's important. And I think that's better for our offense to be a team. I, I don't need to put all this on Dawson Knox's shoulders. There's no reason for it if we have the number one offense anyway. Why, why are you trying to scram? Why are you trying to mess with what's already working? Why? Why, Matt? Why? Why? Tell me why. Tell me, I'm not trying why why I'm not trying to mess with what's working already. I'm trying to make sure it continues to work because there's a number two receiver who has not been a number two receiver ever in his career in Gabe Davis. And if he doesn't make a leap, I need someone else in the receiving core to make the leap. And it and I think the onus falls on Dawson Knox in this case. If Gabe Davis doesn't become your true WR2. If he doesn't get a thousand yards and 70 catches and eight touchdowns in this offense, I need, I need a fallback plan. I need another guy to make the leap. And I think that has to be on Dawson Knox. So that's my reasoning. So are you saying that Emmanuel Sanders 
was not a good number two because he didn't have a thousand yards. Yes, absolutely. Wow. <laughs> Did okay. you think he was? This is, Emmanuel, this is Emmanuel Sanders we're talking about here. Yeah. You know why? Because he's in the community. He, yeah. And because he usually made the play. I don't remember. I don't remember ever being frustrated with Emmanuel Sanders or saying, oh, come on, Emmanuel Sanders or anything like that. And he was the number two receiver on the number one offense and the number one passing offense. I mean, it was working. And things are getting spread around and Gabe Davis was involved and Emmanuel Sanders was involved, especially early on in the season. And Cole Beasley was involved and Isaiah McKenzie was involved. And now we have even more receivers to have a lot of fun with. And you're saying that we should concentrate these the action on giving it to Dawson Knox just so you can feel better about having a tight end that we drafted third round and it being of value. Going off the rails here, Tony. <laughs> this is what they no, want to yeah. hear. I mean, if you if you're happy with your wide receiver two making uh 42 catches, then that that's your prerogative. I'm not here to argue it. If you're okay with that, I'm not. So I, I want my other guys to. Well, to what be else do you want out of the offense? A Super Bowl. You want every. <laughs> you want everybody to. You want everybody to have like amazing numbers, and it's just like there's only 60 minutes of a game. <laughs> everybody can't have amazing numbers. I understand that. I, I don't think you do. I do. <laughs> I'm just wanting if if someone doesn't have the amazing numbers we expect to, for someone else to be a pleasant surprise in terms of picking up the slack. Well, you're creating your expectations from other teams and other circumstances in other systems with other quarterbacks. <laughs> no. You're saying that Dawson Knox and Gabe Davis have only had one quarterback in their career. Yeah, but you're you created Dawson Knox's expectations out of what Darren Waller did with David Carr. Derek and Carr. Derek. <laughs> yeah, and Derek Carr with David Carr announcing. Yeah, I'm like, that's a completely different circumstance. Sure. That's a completely different offense. You're saying, well, I want I want him to have these numbers as Darren Waller had when Darren Waller is on the field with Zay Jones. We don't have Zay Jones Zane, on the field. Are you field. saying Zay Jones isn't as good as Stefan Diggs? We ride and die with Zay Jones on the spot. No, I'm kidding. Tony, let, let's move on. <laughs> you were putting myself and the listeners in a tailspin here. I'm not, I'm not saying... This is Zay these, Jones. <laughs> I'm not saying these situations are equivalent in any way, shape, or form here. I'm saying... I don't think you are. On a pure player standpoint, expectations are expected. I want these guys to meet them. I, I think that expectations are not proven or not proven by... Stats like you said. If Dawson Knox has the same if Dawson Knox has the same stat line as he did this past year, would you be disappointed with him? No. Really? I would be just I would be disappointed with him if he had more drops this year than last year. I would be disappointed with him if it was if the uh offense had 13 seconds and Dawson Knox blew it. Sure. But I'm not gonna be disappointed by him if we have the number one offense again. And if we're just steamrolling all these other teams and Dawson Knox is stepping up and making all these cool plays, then no, I'm not going to be disappointed by that, regardless of what the stat sheet said. Okay. I'm going to be looking for the moment that Dawson Knox steps up, that Dawson Knox scores a crazy touchdown, that Dawson Knox steamrolls somebody over. And then I'm going to be looking for Dawson Knox to flash his million dollar smile at a charity event because that's what those, he does. And those luscious locks of curly hair on his <laughs> Just bouncing around and flowing. Now, if Dawson Knox gets the same stat line this year, but he's in head and shoulders commercial with Troy Palomalu, would you yeah, say that's a success? Yeah, that this was a success for Dawson Knox. Yep, absolutely. That's what. Oh yeah. my gosh. 
okay. you get a, you're, if you get an endorsement like that <laughs> yeah it'd be insane yes if you get an endorsement like that yeah it's a successful year regardless mm-hmm. it's not an insurance curse so we got that going we're good there yeah oh i agree with that yeah plus if he gets the endorsement that means he's done enough successful things he's established enough notoriety to mm-hmm. be pursued by head and shoulders to be a spokesperson so i'm imagining yeah. that just correlates with the stance going up i would imagine it would correlate with with high profile moments like a david tyree kind of thing where That's he it. becomes the national conversation on on a heroic moment. Enough Dawson Knox, Tony. <laughs> Let's just rattle off any other names we had on our list. The only other name I had on my list was our sweet prince, Ryan Bates, because I think there's a lot of pressure for him not to be a one-year wonder. So that was that was my only other pick. Did you have any others? Uh, I had Devin Singletary on the list. Just the idea that he's got a little bit of pressure on him from the ever growing depth chart but like he's still the guy based on what we saw last year but now it's a new offense so will the new coordinator be feeling that way you know like he's just kind of in a circumstance where he really step up but i mean i don't know if it works this way but like he's half of the conceptual playbook like he's the running plays and he's certainly not at, at a level of offense that you know a josh allen stefan diggs is like he's not the star that the passing game is but right, he's right. but the run game is on his shoulders. So I think yeah, there's something there. Definitely something there. Tony, before we wrap up the episode, the athletic came out with a fan survey. You being a member of the fan advisory board, I'm sure you'll be discussing this at your next meeting. Possibly. Yeah, we often discuss what the athletic says. <laughs> <laughs> I thought there were some interesting questions, interesting responses. So I just wanted to get, get your thoughts here real quick on the athletic fan survey. Uh, the first question that I have at the athletic post, what needs to happen for the Bills season to be considered a success? Tony, is it Super Bowl or bust for you? Well, I don't know if I'm going to define Super Bowl. Do you mean a Super Bowl appearance Winning or win? the Super Bowl. Winning. I would consider an AFC championship to be a success. Really? Okay. And thusly a Super Bowl a Super Bowl champion should be a success. Well, we have not been AFC champions in this regime. So that's right. progress. That's a ring. That's a banner on the wall. That's something to hang your hat on. Sure. Obviously, we're all hoping for a different ring. And in a sense, I think it's Super Bowl bust. Like we're certainly, you know, we're certainly in that conversation. I mean, the many pundits power rankings have us as number one. I think Vegas has us as number one. So yeah, I mean, in that sense, it's Super Bowl bust, but Heck, if we win the AFC championship, that would that would certainly be something that we haven't seen in 30 years. And I'd be pretty pumped up about it. So the Super Bowl is just is also it's one game on one day. So I think I'm really looking for you lose sometimes. So I think, you know, I'm looking for anything that I can say we didn't take a lateral step or a step back. But for AFC champions, then that's it. Then we got over a hump. Then we're a step forward. That's looking good. But yeah, I really want to mention that's what I was going to mention. In this regime, every year, it does seem like they're they're taking a, a step forward despite losing in the divisional round last year, not making it to the AFC Championship as the year as they did the year prior. I still feel like the team that was put on the field last year was much better than that. And what they showed was much better than that AFC Championship run from two years ago. So it does feel like every year they seem to be inching closer and closer. And I'm right with you. I feel like AFC Championship is the floor. Anything less would be a disappointment. And that's kind of what the uh, the results of the survey yielded as well. 86.7% of voters believe that this season will not be a success unless the Bills at least make it to the Super Bowl. So win the AFC Championship. So I'm right there with you. Tony, next question. Do you think the Bills have what it takes 
to win the Super Bowl? Yes or no this year? I think that's an easy yes. I'm a right? yes. Yeah. I think it's an easy yes. I'm a yes. I'm a yeah. I'm a strong yes. Ninety nine percent of the people also agreed with us. Yeah. What is your confidence level in head coach Sean McDermott? Now, how is this measured, Matt? Like scale uh, of one to scale, ten. Like scale what's the of one to ten. Yep. Scale of one okay. to ten. Ten being the most confident. Mm, I'm going to say eight point eight. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's kind of in the wheelhouse. Uh, the majority. 36.4% said an 8, 26.5% said a 9. So why an 8.8, Tony? Well, why you know, I mean, we've seen we've seen in some isolated incidences game management be a little tiny, it's even it's a bit questionable. Most of the time it's fine. The vast majority of the time it's fine. But every once in a while, the past few years, it's like, I don't know if that's the move to make, and then it's made. And and then of course, what do we hear in the press conference is that there was some issue with the execution and it's something we have to work on. Okay. But every once in a while, there's something. So, and obviously, you know, the, the last time we saw the bills play, there was a big something. So I can't give him a 10. I got to just, just any point, but I love coach McDermott. I think the world of coach McDermott, and I will also take this opportunity to remind him that he is the, to remind everyone, he's the head coach seven days a week. What we see in terms of game management and the decision he makes on Sunday between 1 and 4 p.m. is only a small percentage of the overall work that he does, and he is great at it. Yes. Yeah, there are six days of the week, the game planning, the fact that he gets this team to a competitive point week after week that they can have such lofty goals as winning the Super Bowl or winning an AFC championship is a true testament of, of a successful coach to do, to do it consistently. I think that is extremely difficult in the NFL. This is the first time that the Bills have had that since Marv. So I would give McDermott a, a solid nine. Honestly, I'd be I'd be right in, in the yeah. eights with you. Solid nine, maybe low nines. I'm actually going to up it to nine point two. Yeah, he's 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 done an incredible yeah, job. So mm-hmm. flip side, what is your confidence in Leslie Frazier? Scale of one to ten. Well, right around the same. I guess I'll give him a nine. Ooh, I'm a I'd go I'm a Leslie I'm a Leslie Frazier apologist. I think highly of Leslie Frazier because even though there are frustrating times sometimes, like you know, all of a sudden there's a game when they run all over us or something. Leslie Frazier fixes it over time. You know, we've never ended the season under Leslie Frazier that we've seen. Yeah. When did we see him three years to fix the run defense, Tony? He hasn't fixed it. Oh, see, I disagree. I disagree that he hasn't fixed the run defense. I mean, it's come come off as a problem. And then all of a sudden it's not a problem anymore. But the thing about the run thing about being a defensive coordinator or being well about football in general, then is that, you know, you you tend to notice the problem. And then if if you don't notice them as a problem, what does it take to get the praise instead of just not apologizing? Having the number one defense? Oh, well, he did have that. So, okay. But I know, I mean, we go through spurts when the run defense is questionable, but he has, he has had a history of figuring it out. It'll be interesting to see what he does this year with a revamped defensive line. I think that's that was the crux of the issues the past two, three years, how during Leslie Frazier's tenure here as a Bills defensive coordinator. Um, now it seems like he has the personnel to correct his faults or correct the defense's faults, I should say, not his personally. but um, And that's the run defense. I, I don't think he's corrected it. Um, and maybe it was a personnel issue. So um, we'll see if this year is any different. I think I think I would give him a, a solid seven. I think I'd be in the sevens. Uh, most of the wow. people on the survey, uh, over a third are an eight. Um, 
I think I'd go a little lower. I'm I'm not as high on Leslie Frazier. I think he's a good person. I think he's a very good coach. I just don't think he's like an elite defensive coordinator, um, like a like a Wade Phillips in his heyday. Um, I just don't think he makes the proper adjustments. And these these faults have have garnered and shown themselves for too long for for him not to. I mean, the Patriots game last year, like. They ran every single play other than two plays for running plays. And they those they, they did not adjust. Like they could not figure it out. And I gotta put that on Leslie Frazier. They didn't the only time they figured it, it took him three and a half quarters to figure it out until he said, Matt Milano start shooting the gap. And when he started to do that, that's when it turned. I mean, that's gotta be a defensive coordinator thing. I'm sorry. Like I, I need Matt. I need you to recognize mm. the faults quicker and correct them quicker. That's just me, I guess. Yeah, I think you're and, taking. I'm probably speaking at way high level. Like I'm expecting perfection every single iota of this team. Like every single nuance nuance of this team has to be. But I mean, that's kind of that's kind of the bar we I set at least is like I'm I'm looking at them to be the best team in the league. So fault me for it. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, calm. Get this guy on Twitter. Go on Twitter and destroy Matt Greco. Witty Nation, just get ready, Matt. Witty Nation's going to vilify you so hard. Good. It's going to be bring terrible. It. Bring it. Uh, Tony, confidence mm. in offensive coordinator, new offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey. Um, really tough thing to answer because I'm. what am I basing it on? I mean, he's a first-time right. offensive coordinator. I'm basing this on what, like his press conference interview and his press conference interview? I don't know. <laughs> Seems interesting. Somewhere between somewhere between a six and seven, I guess. Maybe in the sevens. Maybe six is right. Seven and a half, maybe. Maybe seven and a half. I don't know. Like, am I? I think I think about scales of one to ten of like like it's a grade in school. If I'm sitting at the desk and the, the teacher hands me that I got a seventy five on a test, is that kind of like the way I'm feeling? The way I feel about that seventy five is that the way I'm feeling about Ken Dorsey? I don't know. Maybe it's kind of low. I think I like Ken Dorsey more than I like a 75, but I have nothing I to base it on. So it's really tough to answer. It's tough to answer. I mean, first time offensive coordinator. Um, I like his attitude. I, I like his, at least what the players speak of his competitive nature. Um, do, you, do you think it's more likely that they take a step forward with Dorsey or a step back um, without Brian Dable at the helm? What do you think is more likely? I, oh, I think it's far more likely that we're taking a step back. Really? Um, okay. Yeah. Just, I mean, just based on, you know, growing pains, just based on how fast is it going to, how fast is it going to take Brian or uh, sorry, Ken Dorsey to like realize and analyze what we're best at and how to best execute it. Sure. I mean, I think that's, you know, some teams get bogged down in that and never kind of figuring out their, their way, you know, and under Dable, we always kind of found our way, but are we going to find our way under Dorsey? Well, time will tell probably. I think with Josh at the helm, we'll always find our way. I like. I kind of think so too. And yeah. same thing with Joe Brady, kind of right good. behind him. I think Joe Brady is going to help out the situation too by yes bringing some some progress, some young progressive concepts and kind or of uh, a coordinator himself. Yeah, 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 greasing things up a little bit. In in that respect, I think that'll help. It'll help us get there. But I definitely think you know the first the first six games. I would say I'm giving Dorsey. I'm like taking everything Dorsey does with a grain of salt. I'm not calling up. I'm, I'm not going to be like some people in Bill's Mafia might be when they're just like, you know, losing their minds on the by calling up radio stations and calling for Dorsey to 
Dorsey's head to be in the This guillotine. is why you keep Dable I, around. Keep the consistency. Right. Like I'm I'm not I'm not doing that. The, the first six games, everything that happens, he gets a slight kind of bit of a pass, or at least I'm taking it with a grain of salt of I know the situation. I can I can give him a chance here. I can I can have a little patience with Ken Dorsey finding figuring things out for himself. I think patience is the key word here with Ken Dorsey. Yeah. And it might be that can he might be the greatest offensive coordinator in the league. He might the Bills might be put up be putting up 40 points and we will have never blinked an eye in terms of well will we take a step uh which would be the ultimate scenario i hope so i hope so um tony not including josh allen who is the bill's most valuable valuable player to you uh steph diggs steph diggs okay he is he is the survey favorite at 34 percent. yeah i would say so i mean i i think that he's probably you know in terms of in terms of the elite talent players on the team he's one of them (laughs) and uh but i would say i would say anyone on the defense you know the defense is a little bit more i guess holistic i would look at in the sense that if anyone gets injured on the defense and this and i'm saying this with trey white as my biggest piece of evidence but if anyone on the defense gets injured, I look at Leslie Frazier to scheme around that new weakness to figure things out uh, as to how responsibilities can kind of be like shifted around. Um, but I look to the offense, not so much as like that. I look at Steph Diggs to be someone that defensive coordinators worry about. I look at the offense before we had Steph Diggs and then what he brought to the offense. I look at um, his production as being, you know, super high impressive important he's really bringing it so i would say without steph diggs that would be pretty tough it would be a lot tougher than than any other player to go without yeah i think that's that's a good pick i mean you'd be you'd be the most valuable player not named josh allen to me as well so um mm-hmm. on the flip side who do you think is the most overrated player on the roster overrated player well overrated i guess by who i mean i guess i would have to say and you know, I'm an apologist for him, but uh, Tremaine Edmonds is probably the most overrated because, sure. I mean, he gets a lot more respect in league circles than we as fans Those give him. Yeah. And I would say him. that I would say that he's a little bit closer to what we give him compared to the perennial pro bowler that the rest of the league seems to feel he is. So I'll give it to Tremaine yeah. Edmonds. I mean, he's the yeah, only player I mean- on the team, I think, that. You know, if we think that he has what I would call like Josh Reed syndrome of like, who's the player that's just like, he's out there, but he's just like, oh, he's just frustrating us all the time. Well, Tremaine might really be the only player that's kind of like in that circumstance. Yes, I I get Josh Reed syndrome with Tremaine a lot. (laughs) Right, right. Uh, That's a good call. Um, I don't know if he's the most overrated player to me, but I think when he's not at his best the offense falls apart and that's Deion Dawkins I think it was clearly evident Uh last year when Deion Dawkins was not playing at a level we expected him to play at whether it was due to post-COVID complications or uh, injuries or or whatever uh, was causing his his poor play on the field or maybe not getting up to speed as quickly as we'd like him to Um, you could you could tell like you could tell when he was bad the offense 
was different. Josh was consistently under pressure. He had to improvise a lot more. Uh, he wasn't able to go through his reads. It, it, something was was off. And um, I think when you saw Dawkins get right, when Bates entered the lineup, that offensive line really took off and really found their identity. So Deion Dawkins, I don't think he's overrated by any means. I think he's excellent. I think it's very hard to come by a quality left tackle in this league. And Deion Dawkins is a very quality left tackle. Um, but like I said, when he's off, I think it's very noticeable. Um, or when he's not performing at his best, the offense is lacking in in many ways. So uh, I would go with Deion Dawkins for my most overrated player, but I probably would change the phrasing around because I don't think he's overrated by any means. I just think he's important. Mm. See, I think he actually is overrated. Okay, fair. I kind of, I kind of actually do. Like sometimes, if if you were to ask me, um, you know, like who I think we would want to like start looking at replacements for or dra- like what where could we upgrade? I think left tackle would be earlier on my list than on a lot of other people's lists. Oh, really? Wow. Okay. Yeah, I kind of do. I mean, he's fine. Like he's fine. He's fine. But I'm just like, yeah, he's fine. Like he's he's stable. He's there. He's good enough. And that's kind of where I stand on Deion Dawkins. Are you are you surprised Deion Dawkins is the one like writing the articles for the Players Tribune, like the Bills representative? No, because as a as a as a person, I mean, as a person, I love Deion Dawkins. Obviously, obviously, yes. Yeah, he's really taken to this community. He's really taken to Buffalo incredibly well. Um, he's kind of become personification of the city and the team and his charisma is infectious. So um, I guess I'm a little surprised that he'd be the one kind of being so um, transparent with his feelings, giving us a look inside of his... I'm surprised he's the one doing it. He might come off like bubbly and personable, but you know, I could see a little keeping things in from Deion Dawkins. And maybe that's just him coming out of his shell the past couple of years and finding his identity and, you know, his place on this team and his place in the NFL. So... It's nice. I love his articles. I love reading them. He does an excellent job um, with putting his thoughts, you know, from pen to paper. So uh, just just want to get your your two cents about it. Uh, final question, Tony. Excluding Von Miller, which free agent signing do you think was the most important this offseason? I'm just Crowder, going. I'm just. OJ I'm, Howard, I know. I'm just. Saffle. I'm just giving myself. I'm giving Obviously myself. Tim just the, the <laughs> quick rundown on it. On on every position before I give my answer, which is an answer that I have to give based on the conversation that we had earlier in this episode. And that's Daquan Jones. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Pick. I mean, we're, yeah. yeah, we're, we're, we're putting it on him and we're hoping that he is everything. And we're hoping that he's the piece schematically to the defensive line that we've been missing for too long. And that he'll step up and be that effectively. I think that that's the obvious and choice. I, I, I would. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh yeah. And I was going to say, I mean, I think that we're also kind of putting like Daquan Jones's presence and the pressure that we're putting on him is adding pressure to the people on his left and right in the sense that I think, you know, now we're going to be looking at it's like, ooh, is that Oliver going to take another step forward? Oh, is Rousseau going to take another step forward with this? Like, how are, how right. is that going to translate for them? Right. Is that, Boogie that's, going to take a step question. forward? Is Shaq oh, Lawson you, going to you be You would love that. Ryan always knew he could be. Shaq... Shaq did have the uh, the Star Latule off season workout hype video oh, yeah. this past <laughs> week, so I was I was a little uh, it was good to see, but I was a little scared off because as as listeners and Bills fans recall, when we all were wondering what Star Latule was up to after the COVID year, comes out with a I didn't think it was a TikTok video, an Instagram reel of him working out, and everyone's like, "Oh, Star looks great! I think he looks quick," and he <laughs> no. <laughs> 
Yeah, we had that. We had that moment. We had that one moment in time, Star. Um, I would also throw Jameson Crowder in the mix. I think that's a, a signing not enough people are talking about. Uh, I've always been a fan of Jameson Crowder ever since his Washington days. I think he's underrated. I think he's going to give um, a lot more to this offense than Cole Beasley was able to. And I respect Cole and for what he did on the field and for helping Josh Allen progress. But um, I think just Jameson Crowder offers you more quickness, uh, more yards after catch. I, I just think he's, when you talk about a safety valve for your your quarterback, I think Jameson Crowder is going to be that and more. So I think that's a, that could be an underrated signing when the day is said and done. So, um, But Daquan Jones would probably be my pick as well, as we mentioned earlier yeah. in the episode. So, um, Tony, what do you say uh, very... we wrap it up, though? Yeah, go ahead. One more thought. Oh, I was... I was gonna, Milo, I'm very curious to see what the ratio is going to be here between and re, ratio and relationship between Jamison Crowder and Isaiah McKenzie. Like, how is this all going to look in this offense? That's the number. It's kind of probably the number one thing I'm looking at to try and figure out uh, when it comes to these scrimmages at, at camp. You know, the scrimmages at the end of each practice. That's I can't wait to find this out. How they envision that. I am interested in that too because in Dable's offense, McKenzie ran out of the slot a lot a lot of untraditional slot routes. He ran a lot of crossing routes. It was more it was more mid-tier stuff, like 10 to 15 yards instead of the 10 minus yard stuff. Like not what your traditional slot receiver would run. So in Dorsey's offense, does Isaiah McKenzie stick to that role where he's running mid-level crossing routes, running across the field, being quicker than linebackers or slot receivers or slot um, defenders, cornerbacks that are on him? Uh, or does he become more of a traditional slot receiver, quick twitchy stuff, five yards, and then get the ball in his hands and let's see what happens kind of. So um, I'll be interested to see how that plays out as well. Again, Dorsey's offense is a, a little bit of an enigma in terms of will it change? And if it does change, how much is it going to change? So uh, definitely something to look forward to for training camp. But uh, Tony, what do you say we uh, wrap up this episode? Number 97. Matt, now, now I'm ready to wrap it up. Now you're ready. <laughs> uh Thank you to our sponsor, as always, Traveling Growler, www.travelinggrowler.com. Quality koozie starting at just $5. Check out the website. Check out all the cool designs. They have a really neat 4th of July one. So www.travelinggrowler.com. Check it out. Get a quality koozie. Keep your drinks cold on these hot summer days and nights at travelinggrowler.com. T-shirts or teespring.com. Um, check out all our designs search witty not funny all one word you can find our buffalo brothers t-shirt also on the built-in buffalo fan shop bibfanshop.com we'll be adding more designs to that as well in the weeks coming here so keep an eye on that but our buffalo brothers one is uh is on sale in the Buff built-in buffalo fan shop right now a uh, quick note, thank you to everyone who bought a t-shirt during our our blitz, if you will, our sales blitz to support Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Western New York. Great response uh, from everyone. Thank you for the comments, uh, the kind words on the design on Facebook and Twitter and all and Instagram. So great uh, reception to that promotion. And uh, for all those who did buy a t-shirt, post it on Twitter. We'll, we'll love to see you rocking your your Buffalo Brothers t-shirt, uh, maybe at a, a training camp coming up or uh, maybe at a preseason watch party or something. So thank you to all uh, who supported 
big brothers and big sisters. It's a great cause. And uh, hopefully you like your t-shirts. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, where to find the podcast? You can find the podcast on the Built in Buffalo podcast network, Spotify, iTunes, search Built in Buffalo, search Witty Not Funny, all one word. You can find us either of those places. Um, but Built in Buffalo podcast network is the spot to find our podcast week after week, dropping every Monday. Uh, if you're a first time listener, thank you for tuning in. We always like to say whether you give us two minutes or two hours of your time, we greatly appreciate it. Um, if you like us, subscribe, leave us a review, show us some love. Um, Twitter handles, Tony, what do you, uh, where can listeners find you? They can find me other, other on than the local beer tent. Tw- Ooh, they can find me on, uh, Twitter at Tony Ambrose, all one word, capital T, capital A, capital T, capital A. Yeah. Hit Tony up. Uh, he goes to every training camp or every possibly not this year as listeners of past episodes know, but uh, he will be your your go-to training camp source uh, in 24 days. So definitely give Tony a follow. We'll be retweeting his stuff as well on the podcast Twitter handle. That's at WoodySports716. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on TikTok, Woody Not Funny Sports, our Facebook page. Give us a follow. It's all the same stuff, but you know, share the love. You know, we, we love to connect with the Bills Mafia, the Saber Swords people, the Buffalo sports community out there. Uh, we'll follow right back. So um, hit that follow button and at Woody Sports 716. Tony, before we depart, wise words, a send off for the listeners, if you will. What do you got? Well, Matt, before I provide some words of wisdom, uh, as you're giving teasers about Tony Tweets Camp, uh, I'll give you another teaser. On the 11th of July, we have a fan advisory board meeting that I'm sure will also uh, give some juicy, give some juicy info as it always does. Can't wait to review that. Can't wait to review that. Mm -hmm. So listeners, you can keep on, keep on Twitter with that one too. Mm Mm-hmm. Excellent, oh, and uh, just as a as a send off for the listeners, oh, hey, shout out to <laughs> shout out to the educators out there who finally, you know, we made parole. We're on summer break here with this episode, <laughs> so it's summertime fun time. And uh, that's it, everyone. Everyone, uh, enjoy this beginning of summer, and we'll be here along with you the whole way. Thank you, of course, to the teachers out there for shaping the youth of America, making them better people day in and day out. Uh, you just you deserve this two month break. <laughs> Thank you to all you do, teachers. Um, Tony, as I always say, go Bills, and of course, stay witty out there, everyone. Thanks for listening. Peace. Bye. 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 Later. Bye. <laughs> Marshawn is a fresher breath there. He just loved chain restaurants. Matter of fact, he ate at Applebee's 12 times during the bye week. I love eating it. Most of you guys. That really is still swollen, isn't it? It kind of looks like a football, actually. Thank you for that. Stitching, you got it. Thank you. Hey, D, I like donuts, baby. Let's go. Uh, Stay focused. Um, Work hard in school. You might not like school, but make sure you're working hard at school. It builds a bomb. It builds a bomb. It's your boy DM3, and you're listening to the Witty Not Funny Sports Podcast on the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network.